Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week, we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, August 15th. December 23 corn is trading down 9 cents at 478 and 3 quarters, with new crop November 23 soybeans down 14 cents at 13.12 even. Turning to our guest this week, it's our privilege to have Rural Prather, Director of Buyer Relations, with our very own EverAg team. Thanks for joining us today, Viral. Hey, thanks for having me, Britt. I always appreciate and look forward to being on here with you. Well, we had a big WASD report come out last week. What were your top takeaways, Viral? Yeah, so another WASD, uh, another month in the books here. You know, the yield estimates for both corn and soybeans were reduced, but the reductions uh, over on the demand side really made the changes to ending stocks fairly minimal. And nonetheless, you know, markets initially reacted uh, favorably towards the report. It was a little surprising to me uh, specifically that the USDA had stayed aggressive in reducing the demand side to the soybean balance sheet, especially in the wake of all these uh, kind of newly cropped up export sales to China. Did we put in the low on soybean yields then, given the fact that we've seen some pretty dramatic improvements in soybean condition scores across the country, Burl? You know, that's kind of the camp I've been in. You know, we kind of continued to hear that this August WASD was supposed to be as of August 1st. And most folks uh, across the Midwest have have kind of taken notice of the weather pattern change that we've noticed since that time frame. And ultimately, a lot of these uh, very important growing regions have received ample amounts of precipitation. And they always say the, the bean crop is made in August. So I am actually in the camp that believes uh, we may have seen the low on the yield number for soybeans. Now, we also, uh, with a lot less fanfare, got an update from the FSA office. Talk to me a little bit about that, Burl. Yeah, yeah, you bet. And actually, um, I, I think the FSA data was actually more of the market mover than the WASD even was at the time, right? I mean, if you go back and look at some of these charts, we had the WASD release at, at 11 a.m. And just an hour later, we were granted with another data dump by the FSA specifically related to crop acreage data. And, you know, ultimately, The surprise that came within this report was the closeness of the planted corn acres to what the USDA was actually printing as well, right? Um, So specifically, we had corn acres come out from the FDA, which is basically certified planted corn acres at just over 93 million. The USDA said that we would plant uh, just over 94 million acres of corn. The bigger deal here is that typically the FSA data understates the actual amount of planted corn. And in fact, if you look over the last 10 years, this August FSA um, data is typically about four and a half million acres less than what the USDA ends up saying in January that was planted. Now, I certainly don't believe it's going to be the case where we uh, crop up four and a half million acres of corn between now and then. 
But nonetheless, you know, I think it points to the fact that the market was thinking that corn acres could ultimately come back a little bit with all the issues that we saw in North Dakota and South Dakota in, in the springtime. And ultimately, this information said that is uh more unlikely to be the case. Lots of intrigue as we move forward. Certainly that would cause a lot of ruckus in the market. What did the report tell us about the global front from a supply and demand perspective, Earl? Yeah, so the global balance sheet, uh, USDA raised Brazilian corn production. Uh, by 2 million metric tons. And uh, well, that's nearly 80 million bushels. And this uh, increase in production was actually a little above what analysts had expected uh, coming into the report. Nonetheless, though, the world corn ending stock balance did fall by about 3 million metric tons, which I thought was interesting. Interesting, no doubt. And South America continues to have a good year, or rather Brazil, continues to have a good production year. They brought forward a record uh, soybean crop, and it appears now that they're going to have a record corn crop on their hands with planting of soybeans just around the corner for those folks. So, Verl, how are the markets reacting to all of this news? It seems like there's still a lot of uncertainty around yield, despite the fact that the USDA has continued to cut both corn and soybean yields. There's kind of two camps here. Some that believe they're fully justified and further cuts are warranted. And some who believe maybe we're not far off the right number. And I'm not going to ask you to pick a side here, but how do you think the market moves through to harvest? You know, Britt, you're you're exactly right. Certainly two camps here. The market has continued to struggle. The idea of how much this early, you know, dryness um, throughout the Corn Belt and beyond has affected top end yields. Right. And especially now that all of a sudden, you know, August has turned wetter, we've continued to have cooler temps than what would what you would call normal, uh, whatever that is. And ultimately, we've got a few weeks here where, uh, you know, things are, dare I say it, looking pretty ideal for crop production. So the market has stayed pretty choppy, right? And and ultimately, I believe that the market's going to have to find more physical evidence on yield for both corn and soybeans before we really react in a massive way in either direction. I think that this market could stay fairly range-bound going forward in, until that information is uh, prepared and presented to us. Verl, sticking with the global front, are there any announcements that we should be monitoring and watching anything out of Russia, Ukraine, South America, anything that's kind of on your radar as a watch point that could potentially have an impact on this market? Yeah, so the easy answer here, uh, tensions haven't gone down whatsoever between Russia and Ukraine as of late, and and, uh, actually increasingly so. Over the weekend, Russia had fired warning shots toward a ship tending to reach a Ukrainian port in the Black Sea, and Ukraine has taken a stance of you know, basically trying to encourage ships to haul out of their ports, even after the expiration of this uh, Black Sea grain deal. You know, nonetheless, these headlines more recently have failed to make any large reaction um, within the markets and, and grain traders ultimately seem 
kind of bored with the news out of that region. I think a big enough headline or a big enough shock to the traders, maybe it has to be something that we haven't uh, seen here before, but always keep an eye on these headlines as they can make these this market react in a very volatile way. Volatility does seem to be something that's incredibly prevalent in our markets. And to some of the points you made, maybe here to stay for a while as we try and reconcile demand, supply, and the like, not just here in the homeland, but also abroad. One last question before we part ways, Verl. The USDA is currently using a 175.1 yield on corn. You already said you're taking the over on soybeans, over or under on corn when this book closes on the 2023 corn crop. I'm going to take the under on the corn yield. And, you know, I'm in a camp that believes that corn is much more sensitive at the beginning of its growing season than what soybeans are. And ultimately, uh, the corn crop might have less to gain in this month of August than what soybean production does. I think we saw that play out really well if we look all the way back to 2012. And by no means am I likening one year to the other, but we we did see that when really timely rains came at the end of July and into August for soybeans, acre for acre, beans outperformed corn in that year. So this may be another year where we see soybeans outperform corn, depending on where you're at. As always, Verl, it's been a real pleasure to chat today. Always enjoy our conversations. If listeners would like to learn more about the work that we do at EverAg and some of the services we provide, how can they best do so, Verl? Yeah, I'm always available by phone call. If they'd like to give me a ring, it's uh, 309-365-6326. Or feel free to shoot me an email as well. And my email address is vip at ever period ag. No coincidence that the man's email address is vip at ever.ag. Thanks for listening to From the Furrow. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to tell a friend or two, hit the like button, or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Corey Romero, our producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's production. At EverAg, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness, to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are EverAg, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag/everything.